Thank you for listening to Room 9, my daddy's podcast. Hope you enjoy. You can listen to Room 9 on your favorite podcast listening platform. Don't forget to visit our Instagram and Facebook page. Please like it. Room 9, if you better yourself, you better the world. What is going on, everybody? I'm finally back. And what a way to come back from spending a month off or so with my children to come back with a guest like Matthew Oliver. He is probably my most frequent guest. He has been one of my biggest supporters. He has been around in my life since Room 9 began and has always been a great encourager of mine. And he deals with my terrible communication skills. So I always enjoy my conversation with him. As you know, there will be more with him. And in the future, I have so many more things lined up and coming, and you'll just have to wait to see. So lots of podcasts being recorded. We're going back on a weekly release schedule and all that other jazz. So I'm back, baby. Enjoy this episode. I'll talk to you guys soon. Peace. So take two on chapters one through three, right? That's what we're going to go with. Yeah, we can we can hop into that too. What's going on in your life though oh, too? That's what goodness. I want to know. So many things. Yeah, when was the last po- the last podcast we did was the Gabor Mate book. I have to get my shit together. And that was a long time ago. Well, not a long time ago. Just a lot of podcasts have gone since I've been on. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of no podcasts have gone on since I've been since you've been on. That's not good. Sean. Oh, the last couple months. Anyway. Your fans demand it. I know they do. They've been emailing me. I have my email, my inbox has been blown up. It's crazy. <laughs> All these emails I have. People are disappointed not hearing your voice. Um, well, it's 800 downloads an episode. Is that what you're at? Roughly, yeah. That's actually... Eight to like 1,000. 800 to 1,000. That's pretty good. When we started... It's not, honestly, it's probably way up there compared to... But I've also been doing it for yeah over three years. I was going to say, when we started, we just had like friends and family and... It was pretty basic. It was extremely basic when it started. Anyways, as with anything, it builds over time. So, and that's one thing that when we had first like started when we were like meeting at the coffee shop and like trying to get this thing up and running, we had both talked about how like with any sort of like online presence it takes like 5 years or whatever to even build anything worth worth Easily, listening to. Yeah. At so, least five of consistent uploading, right? Of anything, right? Which you're at what three years now? Yeah, my biggest thing is I, I've obviously I've never used a podcast. Like this is why I've kind of come in this the dilemma of trying to figure out what I want to do, mm-hmm. and I'm gonna have that in stone by the end of the month. But I've come into this dilemma because the podcast I just always use for networking, freelancing, and just like establishing relationships with people where I can get paid work from. So I never put any kind of marketing, branding, anything promoting really the podcast. I mean, I used to make some, I would make social media posts when an episode comes out or something, but that's it. Right. Never was on like trying to network in that aspect of things as far as like getting my podcast out there. So I'm trying to figure out how to do that best. And I want to, obviously I want to do video too. Yeah. So I don't know exactly how I'm going to intertwine it all and um, get these things out there, but I'm going to find like really just the one thing and focus on it. And put it out there because that's yeah. all I got right now. So. Yeah, that's cool. And I think that will just continuously help me keep building it. So 
Yeah, that's awesome, dude. So as far as what's going on with me, let's just shift focus here. Yeah, enough about me. (laughs) So I started my own business for electrical, which is like kind of picking up. Still been doing Horizon pretty regularly. There was a we were went through like a short period where we were going to do less sessions because I'm even after like three years now with Horizon, I'm still doing like weekly sessions, mm-hmm. which is like excessive in my opinion. But I have had, you know, obviously I've had struggles throughout the years. So it's not like I'm like a choir boy who came in <laughs> and was like perfect for three years, obviously. But yeah, so most I'm people s- on outpatient rehab aren't choir boys. Right, right, right. If you're there, I or mean, girls. I guess the fact that you're there for three years says says enough but anyways yeah so i started my own business i'm still doing electrical um i met natalie that's pretty going pretty great never heard of her no just a new girlfriend for now (laughs) (laughs) um it's funny because she's sitting in the room yeah what else i think that's pretty much it and i've just been working like crazy so i started a new job monday working for a big security company doing low voltage electric so that should be fun so yeah that's that's it moving around doing your own getting a taste of doing your own business yeah which is super fun it's really stressful and i find that i don't handle stress well yeah like it is stressful (laughs) it is really stressful and i like have to be careful like not to take it out on other people or and the the worst part is like with stress for me anyway when I do take it out on someone else it's usually someone that I'm close to so then there's like yeah, the the fallout from it's that pretty normal thing right well we yeah, yeah that's bizarre. a human thing anyway so yeah I'm you know still just learning about myself and um, trying to get through this book but I stalled out on chapter four. I mean, I'm in like almost done with chapter four, but I just haven't been reading lately because I just haven't had time. I haven't made time, I should say. Yeah, my my reading has been, or I should say lack thereof, has been pretty non-existent. But I mean, yeah, I've slacked on my my reading. That's all right. Maybe uh, doing this podcast will get us back into it. I'm hoping because I got another book over there. I got Christine and I, Our Mind on Plants by Michael Pollan that we're both going to read. Okay. He was the same guy. He did how the... How to change your mind, which is his. He's a like this big journalist, and he done he done he done already <laughs> did it, <laughs> and he did a, a whole his whole book on psychedelics, which was really awesome. Oh, nice. Okay, but he went in and researched it, and By which research. was cool because I'm pretty sure I have to. Christine would know better than I, and don't quote me on this, but I'm pretty sure he didn't do any psychedelics till he did this research. I was going to say, for research on psychedelics, do you just take a bunch of shrooms and trip out and then write about it? No, I don't think so. Okay. I think you go through the more, you know, organized Scientific through method. therapy and, oh, I you know, you. doing all that with it. I mean, that's, a... that's when I think it has its true power. Taking it alone, if you're introspective, is great, but I think people can just take psychedelics and escape. I've seen it. I don't know how, but huh. people can take LSD and mushrooms and escape from reality in life so yeah when i take psychedelics it's i better have a seatbelt on because it's usually going inward dude and seeing things i don't like sometimes the last time i think i told you this story but the last time i did mushrooms was the night before my wedding and uh 
I still was, haven't stopped tripping. <laughs> dude, I was in this beanbag chair laughing so hard that I started like crying. And then I was like thought that I was melting into the beanbag chair because like the tears coming down my face. And I, like after that, the next day, obviously it was my wedding. And my brother was like, dude, last night was amazing. And I'm like, no, I was like, I can't do that ever again. Like I can't go through I that. I thought about you because I mean, there's definitely, I feel like obviously... Not everybody should be taking psychedelics, right? Right, right. And I feel like, like especially if you have like a medical predisposition to schizophrenia yeah. or whatever, or even like mania too. And I know yeah. you've had some, yeah. you know, you struggle with that. Like, and I thought about you the other day when I was thinking about who shouldn't be taking psychedelics. I was like, yeah, I would tell Matt to be careful if he ever wanted to take them. <laughs> well, there's a comedian that wrote with Dave Chappelle for Chappelle's show. He has a Netflix special and he talks about his journey through like i don't know if you remember this but dave Chappelle like ended up going away or like oh yeah anyway you know the whole story there but when that happened there was like fallout for this guy as the co-writer of Chappelle's show and then not having that anymore he became like super depressed mm. and and he went through um ketamine therapy and he talks about that and how it actually helped him a lot but yeah i don't know that way, way back in like episode 32 i did an episode with somebody that that used did ketamine therapy. Yeah, um, trying to think of that place. It's on Franklin and downtown Buffalo. Franklin and Edward. But anyway, yeah, they do ketamine. Yeah, that's another big one. Yeah, which in it, it's a Netflix special. I can't remember. I think it's called Three Microphones or Three Mics or something like that. It's worth watching because it's funny. Like he, the setup is like he has three microphones on stage. One of which he just tells jokes. The second one is like one-liner jokes, and then the third one he talks about his struggle with depression. So it's like that's a, fucking cool. Yeah, it yeah. was like a mix of like comedy and then his actual life struggle. So anyway, that was I watched that a long time ago. It may not even be on there anymore, but that's what I loved about those are all my favorite comedians did shit like that. Like like Bill Hicks always had like a different message with his yeah his anger and screaming yeah 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 swears. Potty, poop mouth, noises everywhere. <laughs> All right, so let's get into the book, man. Let's do it. All right. Um, you're, I'm, I'm going to be struggling because I got to refresh too. All right. Well, there is on in, in the overture, there's a like two pages where he outlines all 12 chapters. So it's like XXVI. Whatever Roman numeral that is. XXVI. 26. Roman numerals. What the hell is this? Oh, you got the summary. Smart. Oh, this is what I was in jail and I had my sister and my mom got me all these books. Okay. Because I'm the only idiot reading Jordan Peterson and Sam Harris in jail. In jail. Sam Harris. I got to read more of him. That He's got to be next on my list because I have not read any Sam Harris. And him and yeah, Jordan great. Peterson are like best buds, right? Yeah, I mean they ha they have a lot of like things they disagree with each other, but they do it in adult ways, which is always awesome. Right, right, right. right. So there are some people out there who can do that. Not too many of them, though. Yeah. All right, but yeah, let's go. All right, let's so, just go through like yeah, your favorite points in the book and. All right, so let's start with rule out. one: what it actually even is. Rule one: do not carelessly denigrate social institutions or creative achievement. Which, when I first read the rule one, I was like, whoa. What does that even mean? But whoa, what does that even mean? What does bro? that mean? <laughs> they they get shorter and more like snappy one liner as you go. But the cool thing about chapter one, I think my favorite thing is the picture on the front, the fool. Because mm, I mean, that's right now I remember. 
I relate personally to this because I've I had have had a tendency of like playing the fool, especially like in my 20s when I was getting high every day. Obviously, like it's pretty easy to play that role. But um, even as I like started to try and like get clean and and build a life, there was always I don't know. I always seem to have this like tendency to speak too soon or speak too quickly and then like get myself in trouble because of it. But there's a portion of the chapter where he actually points out that the fool is kind of a good a good character. It's almost it's a necessary character and it's a character who is basically on his way to becoming the redeemer, which is another archetype. So that's rule one for me. That was kind of what stuck out. I love that. I remember at the time of reading that, I was watching, because naturally I cannot watch or really do anything without trying to pull deeper meaning from it. But I was watching The Expanse, which is a sci-fi show on Amazon. Great show, by the way. Yeah, I've seen it. It's a very good show. But anyway, I was in the middle of watching that, and I think, uh, what the heck's the guy's main character's name? James Holden, I think, or something like that. And anyway, but he's yeah. he is the stereotypical fool. And I love that, like mm-hmm. the positive side of it, that he's just, I'm probably going to die, but I'm going to go in and do this anyway. Yeah. And I, I always I always loved that because that is an awesome thing to think about, like people who just keep getting up, even when they're, they, it's like, you can't win, but you keep getting up anyway. Right. And that kind of piece of the fool archetype, I think is pretty badass. Yeah. And that, that feeds into the underdog too, which everybody, not everybody, I guess, like Patriots fans don't really like the underdog, but um there's definitely a lot of people who appreciate and can relate to an underdog because like you said like someone who just keeps getting up every time they get knocked down like you like to see that it's a good thing to see and it gives you like inspiration and courage to do it yourself if you need to you know yeah i found life is really like every archetype everything obviously has its positive and negatives nothing's good or bad in and of itself right and when you can take those positive pieces from all the different archetypes. I love trying to talk about archetypes like it's something tangible that actually exists right, <laughs> outside of language right. and ideas, but whatever. Everybody, you, you get what I'm saying. Yeah, no, I and know. And like, you saying. know, taking pieces of all that. So I, I, I really found, and that always brings me back to Carl Jung mm. when it comes to balance, is taking the pieces of everything. Because everything, when harnessed and you get to know it and befriend it, can be a good thing. Even I found recently my like wonderful, amazing skills of manipulating people are uh, <laughs> like, but they can be positive a lot of Absolutely. times. Like in my job, like we have to communicate with departments that we're not in charge of. So we can't just be like, here, you got to do this. You know, we got to communicate with store managers and all that. And over to do that, it's like, I got to kind of, you know, shy my way in there and get in there and like get, befriend people. And yeah. yes, a lot of times it's just an act. I'm not going to hang out with this guy every weekend, but. It's still skills that I need that help me get along with other people and work well with them. Absolutely. And it's just finding those. And But you can't do that, right? Unless you get to know that dark part of yourself, which most people don't like doing. Yeah, no, not at all. For obvious reasons. Yeah, it's it's scary to search the dark parts of yourself, but they can be harnessed for good. There, let's use that sound. That's right. <laughs> let's use that. Delete the last part. We'll use that whole thing. Get rid of it. But The utility of the fool. Yeah. For me, the other part that I really liked was just the the whole hierarchy idea because you find that in everything. Like you have anytime 
and he talks about this in the book, anytime you have a goal or a set of standards or something that says like this is good, like aim towards this, there's going to be a hierarchy. There's going to be people who fall in line ahead of you. And hopefully there's going to be people that fall in line behind you unless you're the worst at it. And that's a possibility. But you have to start somewhere on that hierarchy and there's no avoiding it. Like it's in everything. Exactly. And we like to talk a lot today, especially about like equality, which is great and all finding good, but we're not all equal. There's certain qualities that I possess that other people don't possess. And those people possess qualities that I have absolutely zero of. Well, that's where language gets weird too. It's like we're all equal in the sense of that, that we all have our own skills that we are good at and we all have our own, you know, advantages and whatever it is we want to do. We we all have we're all better at something than somebody and vice versa. Right. Which again we're saying so I mean, yes, we're all like everybody should be treated fairly, but like as you were just going on to say, when things come together, even like those protests when you're protesting things, somebody put that all together and was in charge of it. And I did this podcast for this company out in New York City. Oh no, out by Rochester, that's what it was. And we were talking with I was doing little small kind of nonprofits in their area just getting to know them and doing episodes on each different company okay and this one company we're doing it with their whole thing is we're a community nobody's in charge blah 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 and i just kept trying to i didn't really force it because a you know it wasn't under my podcast i wasn't hosting it i was getting paid to do it under a different company's name gotcha so it's nothing i like really forced but i did try to throw it in there a little bit i was like yeah but at the same time it's like you are the one somebody started this company somebody started this community and you are automatically <laughs> slung to the front of that like don't tell me people don't come to you too who started this community when they can't figure out a problem to a solution or when they're having issues right and they'll be like yeah we bring it to the whole community but yet when it comes down to it you have the final say really and that's funny whether you want it or not you don't have a choice because hierarchies naturally form exactly and in the first book, he talks about lobsters in chapter one and the hierarchy of lobsters, mm -hmm. which the first book being um, 12 Rules for Life. Anyway, that's a whole other book. And um, he does talk about hierarchies in that book, but he goes into way more depth in this chapter about like where we all fall in a hierarchy and how to um, work your way up a hierarchy if you so desire. And then also the necessity of like peers and having people who are basically equal to you or slightly below or above you and just the necessity of having that and i think that is just basically friendship like having people that you can relate to on an intellectual level or on some other um level playing field yeah that's the necessity of equals so those are like the three main points of um hierarchy that he goes over in chapter one yeah i think it's how you communicate i feel like he touched on it in this chapter if i recall correctly about communicating through the hierarchy and how difficult that can be and how like good leaders are able to communicate correctly through that whole entire hierarchy. And great leaders, I think, can make people feel like there really isn't a hierarchy. And when people feel like there really isn't truly one, at least at its core, like I feel free, like I can go to the top and talk to the person at the top with an open mind. Like when you provide that environment, I think that's when companies, businesses, people, everything thrives. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the whole like in the late 2000s when I was like first starting my career in um in call centers and stuff like that, mm -hmm. there was always this whole open door policy and there was always this thing called empowerment, which is now like changed to engagement in associates. 
anyway, that's a whole other a whole other ball game. <laughs> but yeah, so like an open door policy or whatever, that is just like what you said, like the ability to go to leadership, but you won't or you shouldn't because you don't need to, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. One other great thing about about this book that I want to point out is he actually uses um the Bible and like stories from the Bible. And he did that with Maps of Meaning, another one of his books that I actually haven't read, but I need to. Yeah, it's a huge book. It's more of a textbook, right? Yeah, I think he wrote it to use like in classes. Yeah. Anyway, so he uses stories from the Bible. It's a textbook. (laughs) (laughs) That's a textbook, yes. I think uh, he wrote that as a textbook. No, he wrote that as a book to be used in classrooms. All right, go ahead. Anyways, um, yeah. So in in especially in Rule One, he quotes from the um, King James Bible, which is um, my dad's favorite version. But there's he refers to them as like stories that portray hierarchy, and I guess I can't remember what role Jesus plays. I think he's the hero archetype. Because he can exist like outside of the rules, but at the same time he follows the rules, mm-hmm. um, and it was an interesting. I'd have to reread it, but it was it was a really interesting part of the chapter. It's towards the end of chapter one. Yeah, well, I love that. That's an awesome point about, and I think some people like the common sense even understand it half the time is. Like, yes, you have rules. That stupid, what is that cliche saying? Is it, rules are made to be broken. Mm. Like, to know when to break the rules is a huge piece of, I mean, success and a- anything. I feel like if you look at anybody who is, in quotes, and I guess in their own terms, made it and have been successful, have done that at some point along the way. Yeah. You get to know the rules, you follow them, and know when to break them. Right, because there are some rules that hold society back as a whole. There are some rules that exist simply because we've always done it that way. Mm-hmm. And that that's something personally that like drives me insane when someone's like, you have to do it this way because that's how we've always done it. But I'm trying to bring a better solution or a better way to the table. And it's like, no, we're not doing that because of there's no real reason. We just have always done it this way. But yeah, so Jesus is portrayed as the hero, the archetype of the hero who can break those rules and knows exactly when to. And that's something that I think just comes over time. Like I break a lot of rules, but I probably shouldn't. You know what I mean? Like you have to know when to, and you have to know which ones you can or should break. So yeah. Something I'm trying to teach my kids. Yeah. Right. Don't let them hear this. Cause they'll just be like, but you said you got to break the rules. No, I'm really trying to teach them to do that. I wish oh, they really? would break the rules a little more, more often. Like they're never mind. Next. So chapter two <laughs> ain't turning this into an episode about about raising kids no about their mother and i am doing an episode are you really about on parenting so rule two is really cool imagine who you could be and then aim single-mindedly at that pretty self-explanatory and this is what i was saying about like chapter one the name of the rule not being as like as catchy or like Mm -hmm. oh i get what you're trying to say chapter two like imagine who you could be and aim single-mindedly at that is a super cool chapter because I think we're all always kind of imagining who we could be, but rarely, personally, rarely am I ever aiming at that. Mm. And rarely am I aiming single-mindedly at that. So even in just that little blurb, there's a lot to like unpack and a lot to think about. I think when we think of that thing to aim at, we don't think there's any way to get to it. 
Like it seems so abstract and far and out of reach that it's it's difficult to even imagine coming up with a, a plan to even get to there. And something else I hear Jordan Peterson talk about, and I don't know if it's in this chapter or not either, but taking that um, zone of proximal development it is. I can't remember the Russian psychologist who came up with it, but basically it's like, okay, I know my long-term goal. What are these small goals, these little goals in between? So today, what do I want to accomplish by the end of the day? And Jordan Peterson always talks about, let's just use video games. I want to play less video games. Like, what? How much can you stand to not play video games today? Is it just 10 minutes? And just fucking do that. Yeah. And then add, when you feel comfortable with that, add five more onto it. And eventually, just go through this process, and eventually you'll get to where you want to go. Yeah, my brother actually was texting me the other day and saying how he's going to join or run um, a marathon out in California because that's where he lives now. And I was like, whoa, that's amazing. Um, You know, training must have been hard. And he was he's like, yeah, it actually was pretty easy because I started with a single block and then I just added a block every day. And I was like, wow, that sounds like so simple because I could run a block. You know what I mean? But then the next day, could I like force myself to run two? Maybe. You know, it's, it becomes more realistic. I know personally, I right now, I could, couldn't run a marathon, obviously. <laughs> yeah, either could I. I might sprint for 30 yards, but I could run a block. And then tomorrow, maybe I could run two. And that's just, for example, as well, in my own personal life, like when I went through the village and I had like zero prospects for work and I had no idea what I was going to do. I didn't, I knew I didn't want to go back into call center management because that was super stressful. And I decided on a trade to become an electrician takes like a master electrician in Buffalo. You have to have eight years of experience. Like that's a big goal and Mm -hmm. it's a lot to learn. But after, you know, three years now of being in the trade and working in it, I feel at least a little closer to that goal today than when I was in the village and had zero prospects for work. And, you know, I may have may have bit off a little more than I could chew with it, but you take it day by day and you learn something new every day and eventually you look back on it and you're like, oh. It's crazy. Yeah, now I'm here. It's crazy what you can learn too. And I think such a huge piece of that is really, I think if you add on to that, enjoying the process itself of learning and growing as a human being, and you add that to that, it just makes it all worth the while. Because really, I feel like essentially, like, think of who you could be and aim single mind. I mean, can you maybe that's one of those things you might never even reach. But to keep working at it constantly every day is is huge. Yeah. Yeah. Because it would be cool. Like, for example, could I become a doctor? I could. But am I going to do that? Probably not, because it's really not a passion of mine. So you have to like find something that like you said, you're going to be able to work on every day and enjoy working on that and learning whatever that skill or whatever it is. You know, for me, my first passion would be music, but it's, it's a doggy dog industry out there. You know, I can't, I can't just be a rock star like I want to be. So you got to have a backup, you know? Anyway, so that's rule two in a nutshell. Was there anything else from rule two that you... No, I mean, I love that. I mean, the title, I think really sums a lot of it up, right? Yeah, and it like I said, it doesn't take a lot of explaining because the title is so well written. Yeah. So then rule three, this is kind of the last full chapter that I read. Do not hide unwanted things in the fog. Lord. Yeah, that's something that... Just skip this chapter. Right, something that I do a lot, actually. And I think everybody does it a lot. But he talks about like getting a letter from the IRS and being scared to open it because you don't know what it, what's in it. 
it could be a check. Like they could be giving you a refund, but you're too afraid to open it. You know? Oh my God, dude. Avoiding things, just hiding things, avoiding things. Holy shit. Yeah. So easy to do. Well, and in addiction as well, like that's basically all you're doing. Like your full-time job when you're in addiction is to hide the fact that you're in addiction. So you get really good at hiding things in the fall. Hide it and feed it, right? Exactly. Yeah. Um, that's a great that's a great chapter as well. I always love he always I remember hearing one of listening to one of his lectures years ago and he talks about uh Jack Kent, I think is the author of his kids book called There's No Such Thing as Dragons. Oh yeah. yeah. Right. And he uh this kid has this little dragon about the size of a cat and he tells his mom and the mom's like, Oh, there's no such thing as dragons, so the dragon gets bigger. And so the more the kid denies or the more the kid tells the mother about the dragon, the more she denies it, the more she denies it, the bigger it gets, and finally the house is off its foundation. Right. Father comes home, starts talking about the dragon, it gets smaller, right? And I love that kid's book because that is such a huge piece of but that I still catch myself doing all the time, man. All the time. I mean, what whatever it's about, it's like, oh, don't want, don't want this to be out. Don't want to say this. Don't want to say this. Sometimes something oh stupid and pointless, right? Yeah. Like, oh yeah, I saw that movie. Like, what? I never, why did I just lie about that? Right. Like, right. You know, just like just stupid things that we hide and don't want to talk about. Whether it's being vulnerable with our significant other or whatever that is, we know we want to connect and. That's the only way to establish true connection with a human being is to be vulnerable, to be yourself, right. to be authentic, to be honest. But yet we still have this thing inside of us that tells us she won't like you or he won't like you. Yeah. If you tell him this or if you bring this up, it might cause a fight. And so let's just hide this. And then he talks about how this little problem sometimes of I think he shares a story about his father-in-law. And finally just flipped out about the sandwich that he had every year. She thought he liked it. Yeah. But, you know, something so tiny as in, I wish you would fold my socks another way. Right. That you don't want to say it could turn into like this divorce and this massacre at the end of the day. Yeah, definitely. Thinking of like personal examples of hiding things in the fog. Like I had this issue um, with my bank account and it like just became slightly overdrawn and I was like, I could just put money in there, but I'm just going to let it sit because I don't really have the money and I'd rather hold on to the money right now. Well, then I end up like racking up these fees and if I had just gone to the bank and talked to them, they probably would have waived a fee and I would have deposited $10 and it would have been fine. But by like ignoring it, it became this huge, so huge thing. You know what I mean? And it's like, why do, why can I just face something head on and have the courage to come out and say, I made a mistake. I miscalculated or it's something. So like you said, something so silly and stupid, but for some reason I have to like hide it and make it into this. Now all of a sudden it's this huge problem when it could have been avoided in the first place by just like you said, talking about it. Yeah. It's so weird how we do that. It's real weird. Yeah. This is a shitty chapter. Don't like it. (laughs) (laughs) Not a fan of this one. Yeah. Chapter four. I just started getting into, um, I've read, I think, Maybe three quarters of chapter four, but maybe we save that for um, for another podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I remember Christine and I, it's probably the first time I took mushrooms in, I don't know, many years. Um, we both took mushrooms on her birthday in the beginning of April. And I just remember like the things that we could just talk about. Like it was just, there was no walls, dude. There was just no ego worrying about what you was going to come out at the end of your mouth and yeah. what they were going to hear talking about, you know, the pain of, you know, my kids being in Florida all the time or my brother and sister die or just, you know, problems and our things that we needed to work on in our relationship. 
And I remember literally as we were, as the trip was coming to an end, like the wall, I could literally feel these walls, that character coming back in. Don't say that. Don't say that. What if she thinks this? What if, it's like, it was so strange. That is strange. So strange how easily these, those walls go right up and you don't even know they exist. Yeah. Inhibitions apparently is the word for it, right? That's right. Anyways. Yeah. Great. Three great chapters. And I really, like I said, I need to get back into reading more, but I think, I think I'm going to keep reading this book a little more. I used to read every single morning. Like I would wake up early and then read for like Mm -hmm. a half hour, an hour if I wasn't like falling asleep in the book. But um, yeah, I need to get back to that. Yeah. Yeah. You and me both. Nighttime isn't going to be an option. I don't think because I've been in getting up obviously my kids are here i'm sleeping a little bit later but like 4 15 my alarm goes off i get out of bed really and start getting at it yeah yeah i'm usually up around well lately with natalie she likes me to sleep in but usually 4 30 or 5 i i'm out of bed yep that's time i love mornings i don't know Dude, what it is me too there's something about it solitude that's right <laughs> yeah i mean i can do the stay up later thing too if i had to but i definitely prefer to be up in the morning yeah. as opposed to being up late because you hear the birds chirping and you know like the day is like fresh and new it's happening you haven't like messed Still anything calm. up yet yeah you haven't <laughs> fucked your life up yet yeah. <laughs> give it a few more hours till you think about that <laughs> all For right sure. matthew this was a pleasure as always yeah it's been fun we'll have to do it again soon that's right all right <laughs>